Hello and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com. I'm today's co-host, Alok Tai. I'm the VP of Life Sciences at Ignite, and we're a secure content platform focused on key global industries. Hi, I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, co-host of Biotech 2050. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is a two-sided marketplace where we're organizing and providing access to worldwide life sciences expertise. I'm excited to welcome Victor Hansen-Smith, Head of Computational Biology at Verge Genomics. Victor, appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's my pleasure. Awesome. We'd love to start off hearing about your background and, and career path to date. I'm trained as a computer scientist and software engineer, and that's what my PhD is in. And I originally got into that because I wanted to make software back in the 90s. But I've spent most of my career embedded in molecular and cell biology labs using supercomputing and principles of software engineering to drive primary research about how genomes function and how genomes evolve. And so that's what I spent most of my academic career doing. Back in the turn of the millennium, that bioinformatics space was kind of an exotic space to be in. There wasn't a lot of funding for it, and there weren't really many academic programs for it. So when I was doing my PhD, the computer science department told me, well, your work's way too biological. We don't want to support you. The biology department said my work's way too computational. We don't want to support you. But fortunately, the National Science Foundation had this very unique funding stream, and they said, well, don't listen to them. Just keep doing what you're doing. We'll pay for your work. And so that was really powerful because I was able to work at this intersection of these like very disparate fields to really drive really exciting science. I was also fortunate to have mentors kind of bridging the gap in both of those two worlds who were willing to like engage in conversations with me and they saw the value of that interdisciplinary work. So anyway, so that was, that was my academic time and I came to UCSF and I was doing a postdoc. I was on the tenure track job hunt. And at that same time, I'd, I'd been wanting to bridge the gap into the neurodegenerative space and work on neurodegenerative therapies, which is really different than what I had been doing before. But in my personal life, uh, my father had Parkinson's and, and I'd been really impacted by the fact that there really are no effective therapies for these very terrible indications. So at that time, I, I had this insight that I think I had all the tools necessary to make an impact in this space. I just didn't know how to build that bridge. And so serendipitously, I met Alice, the CEO of Verge Genomics at the time, and she had just founded the company. And so we got together and, and hung out and realized there was an incredible amount of harmony between my skill set and her skill set. Um, so I joined Verge uh, early 2016 when we were still just a pile of laptops in a shared workspace. And rest is history. Four years later, we have a team of 25 people. We have our own stem cell lab. We have millions of dollars in the bank. We have lead chemistry that we're planning to take into human clinical trials next year. So it's been a real uh, success story and a gift to me to watch our company and be play a part in our company growing from really zero to the success story it is today. Awesome. How did you and Alice meet originally? She uh, had been looking for someone to lead the computational biology efforts with Verge. And so she had outreached, I think, literally thousands of people. Yeah. I've seen some of these outreach spreadsheets she had. She had talked to several people that were colleagues of mine. The timing wasn't right for them. But they had said, hey, you should actually talk to this guy named Victor. He might be a perfect fit for you. And so multiple roads had led her to me. Um, and so then she just basically cold emailed me. And uh, the timing was right. It's, it's one of those stories about uh, serendipity and really luck just favoring the, the, the ready. 
And what's Verge working on now and what are you working on specifically? Yeah, so Verge is a full stack drug discovery company. We're venture backed. Um, we are focusing on CNS indications, specifically neurodegenerative indications. Our lead program is a myotrophic lateral sclerosis, often known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease as it's popularly known. We also have discovery programs in Parkinson's and we've initiated work in Alzheimer's and frontotemporal dementia. We've also done some work in schizophrenia, more for platform validation purposes. So in ALS, our lead program, we've done a significant amount of discovery, and we've actually now patented several new chemistries, and we're planning to take our lead compound into a human phase one clinical trial beginning of 2021. Awesome. That's cool. So, you know, obviously uh, the neuroscience space has been evolving quite rapidly. I think one of the unfortunate things that recently we've seen uh, a lot of bigger pharmaceutical companies sort of leave that space. Can you just give us a sense that as you recently sort of came into that domain, let's call it maybe four or five years ago, what were some of the initial challenges that you observed in developing a new class of therapies in uh, neurodegenerative? Yeah, totally. I think one of the things that's useful is to differentiate why um, neurodegenerative indications are, are really hard to develop drugs for versus, say, oncology or, or other things. And so I think uh, a key word here to focus on is this concept of multigenic diseases versus um, monogenic diseases. So a lot of cancers are caused by a single gene acquiring mutations, which then creates the specific tumor you might experience. And I'm not I'm not going to say that's necessarily easy to develop drugs for oncology, but when there's one gene that's gone wrong, it's a bit more of a focused search in what sort of therapies you'd want to develop. Contrasting that with multigenic diseases, which is nearly all uh, neurodegenerative diseases, the symptoms of the disease can be caused by many different genes acquiring mutations or being disrupted. So that makes the, the hunt for a therapeutic much more challenging. So this is what we see in ALS and Parkinson's. In both of these diseases, there are dozens of different genes that you can have mutations in that will cause the disease. So which of those genes do we target? And that's a really, that's a really hard question. Traditional, quote, big pharma, as you might, might think of it, often takes this drug screening approach where they screen millions of compounds, hundreds of thousands of compounds, uh -huh. and they're looking for a single target that they think can cure the disease. We don't think that approach is going to work for neurodegenerative diseases. And so the Verge thesis is that we are very agnostic about the mechanisms causing the disease, and instead we let um, the patient data basically tell us how to, how to cure the disease. So one of the things we do at Verge is we acquire hundreds of post-mortem brain tissues from, from patients who have these diseases. We do transcriptomic analysis on that, that data, which is a way of looking at gene expression, which genes are turned on, which genes are turned off specifically in the tissue that's creating the disease lesion. And then we use that data to essentially reverse engineer the mechanisms of the disease. So this is a really powerful approach because although there are many genes that can cause things like ALS and Parkinson's and dementia, there's often these um, molecular mechanistic bottlenecks, something that all patients will experience regardless of the cause of the disease. And so our approach allows us to find those mechanistic bottlenecks, and that's what we then, then target as our, our core therapeutic target. Awesome. Now, uh, in terms of the therapies or the, the compounds you guys are developing today, obviously there's been a broad set of modalities that have emerged, right? Especially you mentioned cancer in that context. Are you guys modality agnostic? Do you have very specific ones that you're focused on? And also, are those compounds you're studying developed internally? Or are you in licensing? What's your strategy there? Yeah, so right now we're focused on developing small molecules and taking that to clinic. It's a modality that it's easy for people to get their head around. It's also really easy for investors to, to embrace. Mm -hmm. That said, uh, the computational biology platform we built to discover gene targets and drugs is agnostic of the indication we're pursuing. And it's also agnostic of the therapeutic modality. So we have discovered several interesting gene targets. 
that are maybe not something we're going to internally develop, but we're open to partnering. Some of those gene targets are not classically known to be druggable. It's a real challenge. Those sort of targets are ripe for other modalities like gene therapy, ASOs, antibodies, and kind of this emerging space of, uh, of biologic therapies that, that we see. I think as Verge gets bigger, you know, obviously we're a startup company, so we have focused, focused resources. When we get larger, I think we're more open to developing those alternative modalities in-house. Um, but that said, right now we're, we're focused on small molecules. So in our small molecule space, we often start with tool compounds, things you can buy in a catalog that work against mechanisms or gene targets we're interested in. And that's often a really great chemical starting space. Once we get those tool compounds uh, or like a sense of a hit in our model systems, uh, we then optimize those using classical medicinal chemistry techniques to generate new compounds the world has never seen. And so that's what Verge has done. We've done multiple rounds of medicinal chemistry optimization to patent novel chemical entities. And so we have right now a, a portfolio of NCEs at Verge. And one of those is our lead compound for ALS that we're, we're planning to take to phase one. Oh, that's awesome. You know, one of the comments I made earlier was around uh, some of the broader industry shifts, especially in the neuroscience space. You know, we've seen companies, Pfizer being an example recently, that have moved away from that disease area. What do you think that portends for the broader life sciences community when it comes to uh, this space? Yeah, so doing drug discovery in these multigenic complex diseases, especially things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, is a, is a kind of scary space mm -hmm. uh, for investors, for big companies. So I think there's, a, there's both risks and opportunities here. So historically, there have been these splashy headlines, billion dollar drug failures with Alzheimer drugs, Parkinson's yeah. drugs. That's like really scary. And then also, I think if you're a patient suffering from these diseases, it can be really kind of a depressing headline to read. The opportunity though, is that now there's a space for companies like Verge Genomics to enter the fray. We're small, we're scrappy, we can leverage lots of technologies at the vanguard to pioneer new paradigms for drug discovery. So I think the seismic shift that we're seeing in drug discovery is that large, classic, big pharma companies aren't willing to embrace the risk of discovery for these diseases, but they are willing to um, shift that risk to small companies like Verge. Right. And when we have things that work, when we have chemistries that are working, we found that large, large, big pharma companies are more than willing to engage in us in partnering conversations. And so I, I think the risk is being shifted to small teams, but at the end of the day, big pharma, I think, is still on board with expertise, resources and mentorship to take things that are working you know, through phase one, two, three clinical trial. What are some of the more compelling lessons learned from some of the late stage assets that have, that have failed recently within the last three, four years or so and, and how you're applying those learnings here at Verge? I think one of the biggest lessons is about picking the right therapeutic target, right gene target or the right mechanism. So you often see in the neurodegenerative space, there's these same actors appear again and again, alpha-synuclein, tau. These are proteins people classically target. There's been failed antibody programs on these. Both of those sort of targets are very popular because they're things that are easy to find. If you look at histology of, of dead patient brains, if you look at gene expression data, these things pop up as sort of obvious suspects as things you'd want to target in the disease. And so it makes sense that you know, historically these were things that, that people would want to target. Our thesis at Verge is those are probably the wrong targets. And some of the things that are most gross manifestations of these diseases are maybe not actually the upstream causes of the disease. So just because a protein is aggregating throughout the brain in a neuroregenerative patient, it doesn't necessarily mean that protein aggregate itself is causing the disease. It actually may be a downstream symptom or downstream effect of the disease. So 
the approach that Virgin's been taking is to use this patient data, using transcriptomics, using machine learning, to, to find more subtle and cryptic, cryptic upstream signals that may reflect true cause of pathology. Um, so that's, that's one, one shift in the industry we're seeing. And I think Verge is pioneering that approach. Right now it's a, a bit exotic and on the vanguard. I'm hoping that in five years, the approach that Verge is taking is gonna be totally mainstream. And what are some of the, the data sources that you're using either from early stage discovery that other companies have done or even, even clinical trial data that you have access to to help inform this approach that, that Verge is taking? Yeah, so we do a lot of machine learning and, uh, and gene expression analysis to identify therapeutic targets, as I mentioned. In that process, we look at what basically a lot of failed clinical trials and what are other people targeting. Mm. And we use that as negative training sets in our machine learning. We also use that to just, to just inform the sort of mechanisms we want to pursue. So I, I mentioned we take a bit of an agnostic approach in, in our mechanistic discovery. But that said, we, we do a lot of scholarship on both what's in the peer-reviewed literature and what's been being pursued in, in clinical trials, just to have a sense of what we're discovering. Is it exotic? Is it novel? So even though we are agnostic of these things, we're still very aware of like what the landscape looks like in terms of what people know about these diseases. I know we've heard a lot, obviously, in the broader ether uh, about machine learning and artificial intelligence and its impact on drug development. It sounds like you guys have been looking at it very much from the um, discovery standpoint and maybe identifying targets. What are some of the other areas that excite you uh, in terms of the opportunity that computation and compute have in the life sciences domain. Yeah, so I have this kind of controversial and, and sort of far-reaching vision where I would love if sometime in my life, I don't know, this is not gonna happen next year, but in decades from now, if we could actually fully computationally predict a small molecule or some therapy and take it straight to clinical trial and have it work and, and basically skip all the model system development. Interesting. That, there's a lot of steps that need to happen to make that dream come true, but I, I see trends in the industry that are taking steps towards that vision. So as we amass more data about things that are actually working in clinical trials, we get better predictive success in our preclinical models. Mm -hmm. Also, as we amass a greater map of what genes interact with other genes, we get greater predictive success in our clinical trials. So that's, that's one thing I think there's a huge amount of space still for computer scientists, molecular biologists, chemists, drug discovery veterans to come together and collaborate on. I think at the end of the day, just the sheer number of skills it takes to develop a drug from zero to phase one clinical trial is more, more skills than like any one person could possibly hold in their head. And so this is just an inherently an interdisciplinary space. And so there's a huge role for computer scientists and people in that space. Um, but that, that said, I think it has to always be in collaboration with chemists, molecular biologists, yeah. drug discovery veterans. Yeah. At least if I can just maybe probe on one of those topics, which is we've seen obviously with the growth of interest in AI and machine learning, not just in life sciences, but many industries, it's created a huge demand for talent. And I don't know if supply, if you will, yeah. has actually caught up. How do you think about it as a scrappy, in your words, a fast growing sort of biotech company? Think about recruiting those sorts of men and women into your organization. As any person working in a startup can attest, hiring is one of the most existential challenges to the company. At Verge, we are very focused on our mission, which is developing therapies for patients. And so when we hire, not only are we looking for talent that is qualified and you know, rock stars in their field, but we're also looking for people that are aligned with our mission. So mm -hmm. we're not just looking for some coder who can write great code, but is just looking for a paycheck. 
We're not just looking for a molecular biologist who is good at it, but just wants a paycheck. We're looking for people who actually want to make an impact in this space. In some ways that makes our hiring challenges maybe even more challenging because we're restricting our space. But we've held strong to that North Star in terms of our hiring and it's worked out so far. I think it's a, that's a polarizing worldview, but it's when we find people that are aligned with our mission, it makes the whole hiring process more seamless because it's something that's so important to us. It becomes transparently obvious when you meet candidates who are aligned with that vision. Mm. So in some ways, it makes the talent pool even smaller. On the other hand, it makes the signal stronger towards the candidates that truly matter. And so I think my advice for anybody hiring in a startup space, whether it's biotech or some other space, is, is to use basically that mission as the North Star in the hiring process. Victor, as you're, as you're thinking about what's next for Verge Genomics and perhaps even, even more broadly around computational approaches to drug discovery or you know, just fundamentally getting new therapeutics to market faster, what are some things that you'd really like to see happen over the next five to 10 years? Verge's platform right now is very focused on transcriptomics, gene expression. And in the genomic stack of information, that's really just one layer. So there's genomics, which is the DNA sequence. There's transcriptomics, how genes are turned on and off. There's also proteomic layers, and there's post-translational layers. So my vision for the immediate future with Verge's platform, but really for the biotech industry as a whole, is to have a greater synthesis of those layers into a single unified predictive stack of how dysregulation at any of those layers can produce pathology. Um, so Verge right now is pioneering several projects at various additional layers beyond gene expression, and that's in collaboration with some of the best work that's happening in the academic space as well. And so I think that's, that's really where Verge is positioned, is that we're standing on the shoulders of giants and kind of taking the best of all of this discovery at these various genomic layers to just have a better unified model of how genomes produce phenotypes, whether that's a disease phenotype or some other phenotype. Well, you know, I think as you think about your experience sort of being um, employee number three or employee number one, however you guys sort of catalog it, there's probably a measurable number of men and women on the who are listening to the podcast today that aspire to do something similar to what you and Alice and others have accomplished here at Verge. So as you think about what the highs and lows have been like from the early days to now, what are some of the maybe salient points of advice that you could share with the broader audience, especially for those who are earlier in their careers but want to take an entrepreneurial path longer term? Yeah, so I, I mentioned this before about um, kind of the mission orientation of our company. And, you know, I know when I was in academia, when I was a junior scientist eating ramen and getting paid pennies, um, I felt like this real pressure to get out of that space and, and make like a, a real, quote unquote, real salary. And I feel like young scientists who maybe over-index on that, that fear and that pressure may be taking myopic career steps that are not going to have the long-term payoff that they ultimately desire. And so my advice there for junior scientists or people that are young in their career is to develop an internal compass about what mission really matters to them. It doesn't have to be neurodegeneration. It doesn't even have to be drug discovery. But is there some problem they want to solve in the world? And that could be, there's, the world is full of problems that need to be solving, from environmental problems to biotech problems, healthcare issues, societal problems. And when you have alignment on that sort of problem, or that sort of mission, I think it becomes more obvious what are the skill, what's the skills gap between where you are currently now and what are the skills you need to actually meaningfully address that problem. It also becomes easier to then find other people who are working in that space who could be your key collaborators, colleagues, bosses, investors. So that's essentially my advice is to develop a North Star and figure out what it is you want, you want to do with your career. That means in the short term, you may 
you may not be making that huge salary that you ultimately are seeking. Or, but I think if you're aligned with a mission, you know, the money comes and the and the success and the opportunity comes if you're if you're pursuing work that you're truly passionate about. It's interesting you mentioned that because uh, having also been an alum of Y Combinator, one of the things that Sam Altman, right, associated with uh, the accelerator, says is that you'll be surprised at how much power you have to bend the perspective of the world to your will as an entrepreneur. And I kind of feel like, especially as a scientist, when you realize how much knowledge still needs to be created, and also the environment isn't necessarily the most supportive of young professionals, that at least as an entrepreneur with, to your point, enough commitment, enough passion, there is a way in which for you to get this broader ecosystem to think the way you do. Totally. You know, there's a saying, uh, before you sell it, you got to buy it yourself. Yes, that's I think, right. <laughs> I think it's hard to buy it yourself if you're actually not aligned with the mission. Yeah. But if you're, if you're like really passionate about what, you, what you're working on, you totally buy it yourself. And then that reflects out to the world. And it just makes all the doors open, whether it's investor doors, mentor doors, finding employees, and all the other machinery needed to make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Victor, thanks so much for, for taking some time to chat with us today and uh, educating us on, on what Verge is up to and the exciting work that's happening here. Thanks, guys. This was a pleasure. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi, and Alok Tai. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Biotech2050Pod. Again, that's Biotech2050Pod. Until next time.